This is the Norris Group's Real Estate Investor Radio Show, the award-winning show dedicated to thought leaders shaping the real estate industry and local experts revealing their insider tips to succeed in an ever-changing real estate market. Hosted by author, investor, and hard money lender, Bruce Norris. Hi, everyone. Joey Romero back again with our third installment of our I Survive Real Estate Legacy Series. The I Survive Real Estate Legacy Series is a series of interviews with Roni Award recipients. The Roni Award is given away every year at I Survive Real Estate to a real estate educator or mentor that has impacted the real estate investor market or individual investors along the way. Hope you enjoy. Hi, thank you for joining us. My name is Bruce Norris, and today our special guest is Jack Fullerton. Jack received the first Roni Award ever given to recognize his contribution to the real estate investment business and the many lives who have been changed because Jack took the time to teach what he knew and also encouraged them to teach what they knew. Coach Fullerton, former real estate investor club owner in Orange County, and he is a major connector in the real estate investor community. Jack, welcome back to our show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, where did the where did the coach description come come in? What what were you doing as a coach and when did the, what what age were you doing that in? Okay, here's where the coach came from. I was a water polo swimming coach at Orange Coast College, and I literally had uh, gone to Hobacat Sailing in San Diego in 1980 and got down there on Friday, went to sleep. We got up the next morning, and there's no wind. And because of that is how I found uh, John Schaub and Jack Miller, who had flown out to San Diego that day to speak at something where Billy had these free tickets to the Rough Convention, and we went. And uh, when the first speaker got done, he looked out, there's still no wind. He says, I'm in real estate. We go to the real estate. That starts my whole life. I had no interest in real estate at the time. I was really trying to be the most successful water polo and swimming coach I could be. I had studied great coaches. Then what happened? There was a seminar in uh, Vegas uh, sometime. Oh, I'd say I started in 80. So I'd say sometime between yeah, 81 and 83. And it, uh, just on a roll of the dice, John Schaub and I are sitting uh, at the 21 table next to each other. We don't know each other hardly at all at the time. He knew I was one of the students. That was about it. And what about, happened is that I kept winning at 21, and he kept uh, not doing as well. But then after we got done, I did well. He didn't do as well. He said, we won the same hands. How did you do it? And I told him how I'd learned to bet at 21, not how I played it. And he came back into the class the next day and he started calling me out coach. And he told everybody how we have to invest in real estate from now on, from what we did at the 21 table. He says, you buy one house, handle it, learn how to use it for about six months, buy two more houses, learn how to handle it. Buy after that, then in the next six months, you buy three but if one goes bad, you go back on the next six months and buy one. And that was basically all I was doing. And from that point on, he kept calling me coach. And it just stopped <laughs> because okay. I had a swimming a water polo coach. So that's now how that. I got, I, I got a question. Was John Schaub there as a teacher at the time or was he a student? No, I was there for a, for a Jack and John class. And he starts okay. off about telling everybody, how I won at 21 and he didn't and what okay. I was doing and how I was betting. And he said, that's how we should be investing in real estate. It was fascinating. So, so you were kind of 
getting your feet wet in real estate when you got introduced to Jim Rohn. Yes, that's true. Yeah, because uh, I was in the same room you were that day. We figured that out, what, 35 years later? And yes. uh, in the back of the room, and that was in August of 81. And uh, he, I think that was a blessing. I had the opportunity to go to work for him. So I worked for him for about five years. I was there when uh, Tony Robbins was working there. And Tony was incredible. And uh, he was about 20 and I was 43 and studied all the great coaches. And here I'm learning all this, you know, great stuff. And I, you know, I'd studied great coaches, but there's so much more to learn. So Jim Brown was real, had a lot to do with my success as well as my mentors in real estate. Would you say that Jim Rohn had as big an impact on your life as anybody? Yeah, yeah. I, I like to believe that there's more than just one person, but I think he had a great deal to do with my life. I still listen to that 1981 Challenge 16. I probably listened to it at least once uh, within the last month. Have you ever gone on YouTube? You can watch you can watch the 81 talk live. I didn't realize that. I will have to do that. I actually have it on the VCR. Back when I worked for him, I bought that silly thing and I was using it as training. But I haven't <laughs> watched it in ages. I listened to it because, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I also have the script. And what's really fascinating, when I watch it, I know exactly when he's going to turn to the left and touch his right side of his nose. Turned out that he did it so many times, it was like a play. And he had it recorded every time he did it. And they gave it to him in three, you know, triple space and he'd go back and he restructure how he says some of the words. The guy was an amazing man. He really was. I, I am so blessed to know him. Uh, I was so, the last time I, I actually saw him was at your seminar. Uh, and I got to have lunch with him that day, which was fascinating. That was a great experience. Somebody, somebody in the audience actually was sitting next to me. He says, I, I wonder why he's still speaking. Like there was, you know, what's up? And uh, during the one-hour talk, he got three standing ovations, and I leaned over after the third one, and I said, let me ask you a question. When would you want to give that up? When you have the ability to change people's lives in three hours, I get the sense you were a pretty willing participant going to that seminar. I was not. What, what's amazing about that, he got me in five minutes. My first note on the top of my page is, he, this man does not need our money, and that it was important to me. Because, you know, I, I had never attended a seminar and I wanted to feel like there was somebody there that was genuine. And I felt like, and maybe, you know, maybe I overread it and I'm sure he was making money on it. It seemed like there was a bigger purpose for him to doing what he did. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the inter interesting thing. I don't know whether I've ever shared this with you, but there was a break halfway through. And I turned to my wife, Mary, and I said, Mary, I'm going to go to work for him. And I did. Ah. So I, I figured that out by the break. So we both had a real light go off that night. It was an incredible night for us. I think it helped both of us a great deal. Yeah, I actually didn't sleep that night. I went home and I wrote goals for the first time in my life. You know what saddens me is somewhere in my house is my notes from that night. I really hope they turn up before I pass away because I would like to review them. That would be fascinating. You know what? I had those notes with me every time I ever went to hear him speak. So I could make new notes on top of notes. And I was 
if he ever missed a story, man, I knew it. Well, wait a minute. Where's where's the story that I wanted to hear, you know? <laughs> well, here's an interesting thing. Because I had a copy of what the talk was uh, that, that we had because we worked for him, I actually... We, we went to that meeting every every month. We had a thousand people we put in the uh, in at the park. And the next night, uh, Tony Robbins put about 475 in the uh, Bonaventure and we put 25. And uh, every time I go, I take a different color pen. So when I pull that thing out right now, it's fascinating. I have different things that he says underlined in four or five different colors which means i've you know uh -huh. it, it it hit me you know you know sometimes i've got something it's just one color which means i got it one time but other times something hits me really hard i underlined it again in a different color a different color a different color and it's fa fascinating every time in fact i think when we get done i'll go over and grab the book and go look at it again i i tend <laughs> to look at it every now and then it's really fun the method that you ended up finding most of your properties was literally going into a neighborhood and, and just knocking on doors. Who taught you that method? Well, if you followed up on what Jack Miller did, <clears throat> Jack's program, and he'd tell us about it, and many people don't follow up on it, but it was really a good program. And he was, he had to, he had to survive. He got fired from, uh, I think it was Honeywell. And, and he picked up a license and he's going to work for this guy. And he figured out that what he had to do is he had to go out and buy some houses to put bread on the table for his family. He had two kids and his wife. And what he did is he buy a thousand calling cards. And the way I understand it is the way he would tell us every day he'd get up early and he'd go out on the street and he had to put 33 cards in somebody's hand. And he wouldn't come home until he got rid of those 33 on that day, which is, you know, so he's getting rid of a thousand cards a month. Right. And then he would, you know, make offers and he would, he was trying to be a salesman, but he'd also would give them a hundred dollars for an option on their property and then try and sell it. He figured out he could make more money doing that. And then the other thing that was interesting, his son told me like maybe 10 or 15 years ago that one of the things was back in the old days, we didn't have walk around phones and he had, he would come home and say, get home at seven that night. He would immediately go grab that phone and start making phone calls and he'd walk all over the house. They had the longest cord they could get for that phone. He'd walk all over the, the house and be making phone calls because he had to make money to put money on the table for his family. Uh -huh. And I learned from that. And then, you know, I, I realized my first, here's something I really think I should share with you. And I've, I've been thinking about a lot of things about what I did to get where I am. And what's really interesting is I bought the first house. I had no down payment. And my teaching assistant had come to me and said, I got 18,000 in a divorce. She knew I was studying the real estate and she had let eight out and hadn't got anything back. And she said, you know, I got 10,000 and my ex-husband who was an art dealer is now a mortgage guy. He says, he'll put it out and put it to work for him. And I said, do you trust him? And she says, no. <laughs> and I, 
unfortunately said, I told her, well, you should go buy a house. And she didn't want to buy the house. So I, in my way I tend to do things, I said, okay, uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you 2% more than your husband who you don't trust offers you. And he offered, nine, I mean, 18, and I had to pay 20, which is 167 a month. I could not get her to buy the house. I went and bought my first rental house. After that, I bought the wrong house. I had gotten a license, and during the summer to make a little extra money, I was trying to be a realtor. I'd taken three people out. We found three properties, and I opened my mouth again. I said, I'm going to buy whichever one you guys don't buy. Well, they made offers on 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 two houses which today are the better houses of the three and i bought the third one and it looked really good but in those days it was buyer beware and the people had a broken foundation they had covered everything up and i bought the house and the other thing is the two people i was going to make a commission on all backed out because the interest rate went from 11 to 14 in about four weeks <laughs> I, I closed at 14 and and it bought it on an 80 10 10 i used the ten thousand dollars for the down payment i got the seller to carry 10 and i got 80 percent loan and then robert allen came around and he was saying well once you put your money out get it back as fast as you can that's the same thing we were doing in regards to the betting on 21. so we put our money out and if we won we pulled it out and so i refinanced and i got uh, about 12,000 out of a 14,000 refinance because it went up a little bit and I'm paying 18% for that money because that's interest rates were high then. And I took that money and bought the next three. Well, after I had bought two of them and I'm about to buy the third one, my wife leaves for greener pastures. So when all the smoke clears, I've got four houses and don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and, and, and there's a guy out on the on the youtube who says you should buy four houses and the more i thought about that i went back and looked at my own life and that's what happened if my wife had left me my goal was to have 100 houses i was trying to buy one a month at the time when she leaves and it made me stop and for the next two years i studied and got better and then i then the next uh Easter vacation because I'm working 60 to 80 hours a week as a water polo swimming coach. So Easter vacation, I'm kind of off for part of the week. And on that Monday, I bought three houses. Well, actually, I bought a condo and two houses. And uh, the condo I bought with a $100 bill took subject to all the financing. Uh, the two houses, I'm going to flip. And I, I, I had a friend who I was helping out and she had was a very successful lady and, and she was going to buy REOs. I said, can I go with you? We went with her to that. When she got done buying the fourplexes that she was buying, I said, you got any houses? And they offered me two houses. So I took the money I had, uh, a little money, and I, from a line of credit, and I bought two rental houses for about 80,000. I'm going to sell them for about 100, 105. Well, I'm a failed flipper. I never got them. <laughs> never got them I'm sitting there, and, I, and the best one I still have. Uh, this is 1983, and I still have it. And what's fascinating, I'm writing an $800 check every month to pay for this house. And I finally said, you know what? If I rented it for uh, 595, 
it would take me four months to lose eight hundred dollars. Which <laughs> today that guy that property nets me easily two thousand a month. So you know, every I look back at along the way, I bought a lot of not a I didn't buy nearly what what you or others have, but I bought more. And along the way, I'd sell one and I'd pay down debt on others so I could keep what I had. And what's fascinating when I look back at it. If I had flipped that that property, I might have made five to seven thousand dollars. Right. Well, you know, look at what it's doing today, and I look back at the houses that I got rid of. I got rid of houses that are worth a million dollars today. And yeah, granted, if I had to do it again, I probably did the right thing because those the purchases when I sold them, that money went to pay down debt on other houses. You definitely had a big impact on on me eventually waking up to the fact that I had to, I had to own something and pay it off. And that would make my, my life completely, uh, sane <clears throat> in 2005 when we, well, obvi obviously we, we kind of worried about the California market, but we had a housing track that we sold, uh, 90 houses we built and it did really well. And, uh, I just decided to pay everything off. And the only only day of the year I did not like that was uh, April 15th. But every other day, <laughs> I, I liked it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and I've liked it ever since. So that's, uh, it's it's just been one of those things that you're just very thankful that you don't have to worry about. And it wasn't. It wasn't in my vocabulary seriously until you talked to me one day pretty seriously about what happens to to Marsha if you can't go find another house. And yeah, I, it actually stuck home one day and I realized, yeah, I better I better do some of that. But you know, some of the we we have gone down different paths. I, I was looking at my son Greg took over the flipping business probably for about nine years so 2007 to 2016 maybe 2017 i literally did not see the last 900 houses i flipped wow and you literally have almost you almost have every house you've ever seen <laughs> it's just a very different a very different world oh yeah i because you know my goal of 100 houses i never made and well, you didn't I, didn't need to. I didn't make a hundred. I probably been lucky if I got seventy. But uh, you know, I live at a very higher uh, age. I mean, today if I were buying one of my rental houses, well, the last one I bought was two years ago. It was nine hundred thousand, and that's a rental house. Yeah. <laughs> and when I started, those same houses were a hundred. Now I'd say my average rental house is somewhere between seven and eight right now. Maybe maybe eight fifty. And, you know, the, the, the saddest part of it is if somebody were starting today and they wanted to buy an $800,000 house and they needed to have 10% down, they need to have figured out how to keep 80000 Yeah. And that's hard to do. You it know? is hard to do. Yeah. So I really encourage people, if you can do anything, go buy a condo at five hundred or six hundred. Then you only need fifty to 60000 and if you can get your, I mean, you know, one of the things I do is I go back, Bruce, and look at what I've done. 
before I started in the real estate business, I had bought, let me think, I had bought one, two, three houses. Yeah. And I bought the first one in a $25,000 market, which is within two miles of where I live today. Right. So that's what's changed. But what's interesting is the only way I could buy that house that day is somebody said, well, just offer them 19. So we bought that $25,000 house for 20. Now, I don't know what I'm doing that day. Right. The $2,000 down I needed, I got from my mother and paid her back. So then the next thing that happens is uh, I end up buying my, my next house by selling that house for 30,000 on an 80-10-10. So I learned the 80-10-10 program. And I took my money from that and bought the house that the mother of my children lives in at three houses away from me. And we bought that for 49, but we took the money out of the house that we sold and put that into the new house that was 49,000. And then I had a divorce with the mother of my children. And when I remarried, I bought a $42,000 house on a fluke and still didn't know what I was doing. And uh, I said to Martha Bainan at the time, she'd shown me about 30 houses and we knew we could afford 35. And I said, she shows us this last one, which is a little bit of a fixer had a big tear down the carpet, needed to be painted, all kinds of things. And I'd remarried, had no money. And uh, I told Martha, you, you know, you need to you need to make offer for 35,000 for me. She said, yeah, but somebody in the office turned down 39 yesterday. I said, Martha, you know, if I make the offer, you got to take it in. She takes it in. She calls me the next day and said, you got it. You know what the situation was? It was, no. a, it was a divorcee's house who had remarried and her new husband said, I don't care what the next offer is, you take it. Wow. So that's how we got that. <laughs> now, once again, I need 3,500 down, right? Because I don't mm -hmm. have because I don't have a house to sell because I've been divorced and my wife had the house she lives in today and uh, my mom loaned me the money again. So there's my 10%. Now that house, we were so poor, somebody loaned us a refrigerator that we put in the, in the garage that had coils on the top. We couldn't afford a bed. Somebody loaned us a waterbed bag. We put it in the corner of the living room and we slept on that. And then what we did is we spent the next week or two painting the house ourselves. Never replaced the carpet in the living room that had a 12 foot tear down the carpet. And then when I, I had the divorce with Carol, we end up, when Mary moves in, she never, Mary and I are 36 years together, never had new carpet under her feet because we put the carpet into the rental houses. And, and I go back to something I think is the most important thing that anybody could ever learn is our, my, my good friend, Jimmy Napier, who has unfortunately passed away. Jimmy once came into town and he said to everybody, Everybody in this room has a, a five-year sacrifice period. You could sacrifice five years when you're old and sick and broke, or you could sacrifice five years when you're young and viable. Now, we're about, I'm 43 about that time. 
And Mary and I bought that program. So for five years, Mary and I watched every single nickel we spent. Every Tuesday, we went to Bob's Big Boy for the two-for-one combo. That was our <laughs> date night. And <laughs> look at that, and I look back, and now I'm in a position where I can't do what I used to be able to do. And I get my 75 to 85-year-old friends call me and say, what do I do now? I have no money. Many yeah. of those were 10 times better at it than I was, but they flipped and sold everything and spent the money. Now, yep. Mary and I just waited a while. And at five years, we thought maybe we'd made a mistake. But at eight to 10 years, I had retired from the college. And because of that, we've been all over the world. We had a great life. And mm-hmm. the fact that we let it in, and here's something else with the Commonwealth. I'll never forget. We've got uh, a, a great person, Ray Reese. He's, he's was come to our meetings. You know, it's really interesting. Successful people used to come. They just came because they wanted to learn something extra or they wanted to remember things they might have forgotten. And we had Ray speak, and he had a five-year sacrifice period. We had Mick Blackwell speak. Oh, I, it was like pulling teeth to get Mick to speak. I said, Mick, <laughs> I'll interview you. We'll sit on some bar stools in front of you. So he comes up there. Within about seven minutes, I knew he didn't need me anymore. And that's the first time he spoke. And I moved away. And along the way, he said, yeah, we sacrificed for five years. We had five meals we used to have. Oh, this didn't work. Hang on. I got to answer it and hang up. Okay. And and what happened is he's talking about spaghetti and, and, and oh, different things. And he couldn't remember the last one. And Marge out in the audience says, Pork and beans in the place. <laughs> Look at Mick. He's out teaching people every day. Mick is a wonderful, wonderful man. He does a lot to help everybody. And it's really interesting, but we had a bunch of other different people. Uh, gosh, one guy just passed away, and his net worth was really big. And I will never forget when he got up and talked, he's talked without everybody defining it, five-year sacrifice period. And I think that's one of the big secrets is you've got to cut back on the dollars that come through your fingers and don't spend them. And I remember reading a book called uh, Think Like a Tycoon by Bill Green. Uh In in Think and Grow Rich, no, not Think and Grow Rich, Bob, The Richest Man in Babylon tells you to put 10% away to invest. Well, in, in Bill Green's book, he says put more than 10%. And so those two books were really valuable to me. Uh, uh, the Richest Man in Babylon got me out of debt because when I started in this this trip, I was thirty five thousand in debt, making thirty thousand a year, which means you've already spent next year's income. Right. Able to get out of debt by listening to the parables in the uh, Richest Man in Babylon. So I talked to my. No, no. One of my favorite Jim Rohn quotes. Do what you have to for as long as you need to, so you can do what you want to for as long as you can. So true. Yep. You know, um, every, well, I was, yeah, I was just going to share something else from Jim. Uh, let me see if I can get this right. He always said standard education gets standard results and self education gets incredible results. Yep. But the one I'm trying to remember is. Uh, oh, his 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 decision of the difference between financially free and those who are not. 
And I, I send out a little cover letter whenever I give away one of my free newsletters, which I stopped writing in 91. Uh, you can't buy them. And, and what it says is that financially free people save their money first and spend after they've saved. The rest of the population, about 95% of what they do is they spend their money first when they get their paycheck. If they have anything left, they save it. And they do exactly what I did in my first, you know, 20 or so adult times. We were saving money all the time. But if I got $500, gosh darn, I had to go buy a new TV mm -hmm. to restart. And that's one of the biggest traps that none of us have. We want it today instead of waiting. And I think, thank God, Mary came into my life because she was willing to wait with me. And that's really important. Your partner has got to be with you. And it turned out my second wife was a wonderful lady. I think the world of her today. But she wasn't on the same page and she wanted to play now and she ran off with a playboy. So fascinating how life is. It is. I'm going to, we don't have a lot more time, but what I'd like to do is I always want to go down a list of people's names who I know have impacted your life and that you've either co-taught with or been taught by. And I want the first word that kind of comes to your mind when I say, uh, say their name, like the category that you remember them uh, for. So, and I'm going to, I'm going to say Ward Hannigan, but I'm going to prep it before I, he, I talked to him earlier today and you invited him to speak before he knew he was going to enjoy it. <laughs> and he said, he said, when he got done, your whole group gave him a standing ovation and Ever since that day, he has loved, loved, loved being in front of an audience. So you had a really big impact on Ward Hannigan. I think he had a big impact on me. So what's the, what's the word that comes to mind with Ward? Probably changed my life a lot. I, I'd like to share with you what happened. We, sure. went, we went to a guy named uh, Charlie Dorsey. He spoke three times. And he got halfway through the morning and he said, everybody in this room should be saving $1,000 a month. Well, I'm at that point, I'm doing that 35000 in debt program. And, uh, and I'm ready to leave. And Ward talked me into going to lunch with him. So we okay. go into the lunchroom. We've got our name tags on. There's a big table where Charlie was. And I'm a water polo coach. I don't know anything. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And uh, so we get invited to sit at the opposite end from Charlie Dorsey at his big table. And so I sit there and I don't say a word. I don't say a word. And, and one thing happens is that it turns out that everybody stops talking. So I said, Mr. Dorsey, you don't understand my life. I'm spending 110% of what I made. And I had, <laughs> never, I had never heard this before, but it was a blessing. And I'm sure it's, you know, a lot of people teach it. And he said, Young man, write down everything you spend for the next 30 days, of which I did. And I used to go to breakfast at Charlie's Chili before. I'd spend $6.35. I wrote that down. I then decided, well, gosh, instead of going at 5 o'clock in the morning, what if I go at 8 o'clock on the captain's table on campus, which is has no real estate cost in the food, and the, and the, and the students are in a classroom, so there's no cost 
for the, the people. And so I got the same breakfast for 335. I wrote that down. The next week, I went to the galley and stood up, got the same food, $1.35. I just saved $5 per day by writing down everything I spent. And I did that on a lot of other things. But that's $100 a month right there. And, I, you know, I didn't learn any of that. They didn't teach me that in high school. Nobody taught me that. I had to wait until I was 43 to learn that. All right. Um, John Schaub, what comes to mind? Probably my first teacher. Okay. First guy that I really believed in uh, when I took that class called Making It Big on Little Deals, which is my philosophy. Uh, and John is probably the most honorable, one of the most honorable guys. He probably is the most honorable or one of the most that I've ever known. He is always a giver. Uh, when they found out that Mary was sick, he was on the phone from a seminar immediately. Uh, when I lost Mary, he called me all the time. Uh, when I went through my divorce, uh, we had gotten to know each other a little bit. Uh, we had taken a class from Warren Harding called Personal Magnetism and Leadership Training. And it was a week later that I lost my wife and he called and checked on me. He's just become a great friend. And yet I've learned a lot from him. And I used to do the, the, the uh, we used to take it from his class. We'd take a group of seven. But here's something really valuable. We used to take a group out on the street on Friday night at his seminar when he would do Making It Big on Little Deals here in Costa Mesa. We took people into my farm and we put seven groups into a street with 28 to 32 houses. Let's just say 30 houses. So now we've got 30 houses, seven groups of 210 houses. Half the people aren't home, 105 houses. And they knock on the doors and talk to people. They come back in the next day. And you know what? They found about eight deals. Now, if a person said, gosh, 210 houses were knocked on. They only talked to 105 of them. And they did that an hour and a half one night. What if you went and spent an hour and a half every Saturday and did it seven weeks in a row? You'd mm -hmm. probably find something. But most people won't go out there. They get, they, get, they get the no's, no, 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 and they quit. And so I think people give up too quick. I had an interesting experience with a mailer. Um, I decided I would just write offers instead of write I buy houses. So I did an experiment, and I wrote 100 offers into uh, an area in Moreno Valley. At the time, the house was worth about 75, 80,000. I, I literally went, drive, I drove all the houses. I, I looked at the repairs and you know, kind of gave an estimate. So I did a, I did a mailer. I got a, I got a really nasty phone call. And um, how dare you, you know, whatever. And I had a pleasant attitude, and I said, I really appreciate you calling. And she, why would you say that? I said, well, I, what happens is whenever I get a, a really nasty response, I naturally get a yes answer on the next call. So I really appreciate you making, making way for that <laughs> next call. <laughs> yeah. So did you get the yes on the next call? I got four yeses on that mailer. Isn't that fascinating? Yep. And here, here's a here's a true story about one of the purchases. The guy owned the house that he was living in next 
It was across the street from the rental. It was exactly the same house in a track. As we were signing the agreement for 35 grand, he said, you couldn't buy my residence for less than 80 grand. Wow. But he was selling me his house for 35 that was exactly the same house across the street because it didn't have the same meaning to him. That is a fascinating point. It really was. Same house, half price, had no had no connection because he didn't plant the roses and he didn't do that stuff. That was just sort of like, oh, the last tenant was a pain in the butt. And that's what it that's what his memory was. You know, I had a good friend named Karen Kaizuka who when she passed away, she had 40 houses. And I don't think Karen ever bought a house that she paid less than 98% of the value. <laughs> and yet she, she'd buy them and she'd keep them and she'd manage them and then she just kept them. Now, 40 houses sounds like a lot. She really had 12, I, 10 to 12 in Cyprus and the rest were in Oklahoma. So they were really cheaper houses. But still at that, that's what she did. And I think some people say, well, I can't buy anything if I can't get it for 60 cents on the dollar. Well, I'm going to say I bought things too high and I bought things where I've gotten good deals. But it's crazy if you think you got to have everything be 60 cents on the dollar. You're right. You know, you remember a gentleman named Schumacher? Oh, David, yes. Yeah. So David, David taught me a good lesson. He was very kind to me. When I started speaking, he showed up, he literally showed up one time, three days in a week. He drove, at the time he could see, he was, he was in San Diego to hear me, Orange County to hear me at your club, in LA, three, three times in a week. And I think he was sort of, he was sort of fascinated at some of the stuff that I was able to do. So he invited me to lunch. Now, it turned out differently than I thought because I'm sitting in front of the, his, I'm on the beach on, in one of his houses. And oh. we were, he was, we were, he was talking about being fascinated that I was able to buy stuff at a discount. And I was pretty enthralled with that, you know? And then he said this, he said, well, he said, buying a discount is good, but he said, I bought this house for 60 grand. And by the way, how he did that is he rented a helicopter crew and he flew all over the place looking for like blank patches of activity in on the coast and he bought where he knew it would fill in now he's a little bit over uh, out of my league when he thinks like that so he buys this house for i'll just say it's 60 or 80 grand and then he overpays for the next one literally a month later next door for 120 overpays for 100 at 120 because it was on terms and then he said, in a little bit of pause, he says, but he says, now they're both worth three million. So I guess it didn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know that he gave a million dollars, I think it's to Hermosa Beach, to redo their pier. Wow. And I think that's, if, if I've got the right town, that's where they have the big volleyball tournaments. And you know what he did? You know, uh, did you, were you in his house where he goes upstairs? Yeah. And the elevator was outside? Yeah. Elevator later, and when I went there, he was, uh, you know, legally blind. But it, at one time, the the 
there was a volleyball, one volleyball court in front of his house, and they'd come over and use his spigot. He goes to the city and says, look, I want to put a, a, a drinking fountain on the other side. And so he paid to put it underneath the, the, the strand there, and they had a drinking fountain on the other side. I think, I don't know what this could be. I don't know what it is, but I think there's like 20 or 30 volleyball courts there now. And, uh -huh. and they hold big volleyball tournaments right in front of his house, all because he took the initiative to help the volleyball players. Well, what he could see, he saw all these girls running around in these cute bikinis. You know, it was fun. He would come to the Commonwealth all the time. He would sit there and somebody say that, None of us got what was said, and you'd hear this chuckle out of David. He was so far advanced to the rest of us. It was crazy. But he helped yeah. everybody. He did. He was very, very kind man and very patient with a young upstart that thought he was doing great things. And then he, he kind of taught me location's pretty important. If you can get one, even if you overpay, maybe that's a good idea. Well, Jack, I we're out of time. I want to thank you for all you've uh, contributed to my life and for to our industry you've mattered to a, an awful lot of people and i really appreciate you well thank you bruce and i appreciate uh, that we've become such great friends and i remember i wouldn't let you speak for a long time and I'm glad, <laughs> you know that it's it's just been great and i appreciate you and everything you do for everybody the people just don't understand how much value you're giving back to the uh the, the the beginners and and the, and the pros i mean we all listen to whatever you say so thank you very much okay all right jack well you have a you have a wonderful night okay you too thank you so much for more information on hard money loans and upcoming events with the Norris Group, check out thenorrisgroup.com. For information on passive investing with trust deeds, visit tngtrustdeeds.com. The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under California DRE License 01219911, Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the hard money tab.